You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Philly. To your favorite sports show, hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart, they're sexy, and they're all fit. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome into episode number 43 of Babes on Broad. I'm Sam Wilson with my co-host Jesse Town and we are the Babes on Broad brought to you by BGN Radio and SB Nation. Um, make sure to follow us on social media. You can follow, find us at Babes on Broad on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. If you want to see our past live pregame shows, you can also find our website babesonbroadpodcast.com and then you can find me personally at samwills18 on twitter and instagram and then you can find jess at run this town with an e13 on twitter and at jessica underscore town with an e on instagram so yesterday was not what we wanted the team is now one three and one the cowboys won right so we are now second Mm. in the nfc east they had a terrible injury though so we'll see how that goes it'll probably be back and forth all season still did you see that were you watching that when it happened i was not watching it but i went back and watched the video because i kept hearing about it and oh oh i was in i was in the kitchen making dinner and joe was sitting on the couch and all of a sudden just started doing one of those like ah 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 and i was yeah. like oh god what and i came around and i saw it was the cowboys game and i was like oh my god was it dak and he was like yeah and they replayed it right after and i was just like Oh, and then, I mean, the whole team coming over killed me. And then seeing Dak cry killed me. And the fact that, like, Jason Garrett. I know. Oh, my God. Dak had me out here in tears. You know me. I can't. I, but <laughs> in terms of football, yeah, I can't stand the guy. But you never, ever, ever want to see – like, that – and especially after, like, the year he's had, I'm, I'm just hoping that he is able to stay in a good place and rehab well and – yeah, um, the Cowboys do right by him, and this doesn't. Yes, and that it, I think, I mean, the year he's had and the injury is absolutely terrible. But I just think that part of it makes it so much worse that freaking Jerry Jones was seeing, being such a baby about signing him and giving his money, and then this happens. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, they do him right and he comes back. But and I hope that was just terrible. This big eye opener for you know the people that want to sit on their couch with their beer and scream your your job go play football yeah stop worrying about your yeah no that's a great point people don't play and why players hold out and do the things they do because without guaranteed money when these freak injury injuries happen like you know there there are little things that you know obviously can happen but that what happened to his leg that's one of those freak things that just you know, it sometimes it just happens in football, but that's why they don't go out there with less guaranteed money. And Dak is, I mean, I, th- this is his first injury. Like this is his first. Yeah, he's game played game every game, game up until this. Yeah, like these, these, these are the first games he's going to miss since he came into the league. And like, 
up to this point, he's, he's earned the paycheck that he has been asking for. So I don't, I, I hope that the Cowboys and Jerry Jones do right by him. I don't expect them to. I don't expect to see Jerry Jones be a good person because I, he's not. He's not. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if I had to guess, I would, I would actually think that Dak would be wearing a different color jersey next year. But I was talking to one of, uh, to Doug Horton, who's did the Rob Motti show with us, and he is an athletic trainer. So whenever there's injuries, we ask him kind of what, what it looks like and what everything kind of was. And he basically said he might be able to quote play next year, but think Carson needing another year after the ACL to kind of really get back to himself. Um, But also the bad part was his foot was to the side. So they had to do surgery right away because it was either they couldn't set it back in place correctly, or there was like a vascular compromisation issue. So he was out of surgery. He had a successful surgery. And I I I hope he comes back and has a good comeback story because you do, you don't want to see that. No, it was terrible. Hurt my heart. And what else was terrible was the Eagles loss. Yes. Again, I'm hoping it's not us, Jess. I'm hoping it's not our pregame show. Don't even say but, it. Don't uh, wait. Those heads. No, it's it's not us. It's the one o'clock games. They're not good at the one o'clock times. But yeah. I was trying to when I was doing our show sheet kind of thing. I was trying to break it down into positive and not positive because I didn't want to say negative. And it just was like a cluster in my head. I was trying to write down, and there's just so much. Your notes are funny because you under the positive on your notes, it's like this was positive, but like <laughs> but what end, happened? Every the end of every sentence is negative. Like I'm okay. That makes sense. I mean, it's accurate. Yeah, you're it's right. Not, I didn't so even notice like, it. <laughs> positive. Miles Sanders looked dominant in the first half, but then where did he go? <laughs> Yes. No, but it's true. So that's like, so let's start there. What happened? He had, I believe he had all of those 80 yards in the first half. Am I correct? I think what was, that first touchdown run was like, like was 74 like, yards. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I, I think, I think what happens is as soon as they get, they are losing in ter- like if they are losing on the scoreboard, they will not run the football. I yeah. just think that's how Doug Peterson operates, and I just don't think that's ever going to change. And, I mean, at the end of the day, like, the offense didn't have a bad day. No, and, the, I mean, they definitely need to clean it up. But, sure, I mean, they still were, scored 29 points against one of the best defenses in the league. It is the best pass rush defense yeah. in the entire NFL. Like, they still played a really good game. The offensive line played fairly well. Um, especially after they lose Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey is your mm-hmm. only vet out there. I mean, there was the one sack, I think it was Bud Dupree, that he timed the snap count perfectly, and Jordan Mailata never had a chance. But other than that, like, Jordan Mailata's looked good. I, I, have, I really don't have many complaints about the offense today. No, um, and that's, that's one of my actual, like, positive, not positives. Like, Carson Wentz, he was sacked five times. <laughs> but you have to give leeway considering – that our offensive line of makeshift people, uh, besides Jason Kelsey, has just dominated against – I consider it a domination when they do that well against that pass rush, like you said. So, I mean, there's positive five times. He dropped back 35 times to throw the ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Best pass rush defense in the NFL. Yeah. So, it, I mean, and it looks good overall, I would say. Um, I, I, for a while there, I was not impressed. And after like the Miles Sanders touchdowns, it kind of just went down. And then 
They found my man, all of Philadelphia's man, I'm sure, right now, Travis Fulgham. What in the heck? He looks like he could be a legit receiver now. I just hope he keeps playing with confidence and his and Carson's confidence in him keeps continuing to grow because on those plays where he needed somebody, he was looking at Fulgham. And even when Fulgham dropped a ball, he still caught the ball. Like, yeah, that one catch was unreal. I thought it hit the ground and it bounced off. Like he did everything he could to catch that ball. And that's something that we just haven't seen from an Eagles receiver in forever. So it's nice to actually see only two other players this season have had a 10 reception for 150 plus yard game and a touchdown. And it's George Kittle and Devontae Adams. They're the only other two players in the NFL to go for 10 receptions, 150 yards and a touchdown. So he played really well. I mean, the, the deep ball to him, some of those balls that Carson was fitting into him as well. So Carson yeah. also looked good. That it, the first, yeah, they did. the first interception by Carson was bad. The second interception, you know, it's going to count in the stats. It's a stat, it but yeah. Like a, it, was a pr- it was a punt. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it was a prayer in the final minutes and fourth in a million. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, it would have made more sense for the Steelers to just bat it to the ground and have amazing field position. Instead, they flipped their field by doing that. So he looked better yesterday. He played a good game. I mean, he put the team on his back in the, in the fourth quarter to bring them back to within three. And I just, I still question some of the decision-making, um, but Travis Fulgham has been playing out of his mind. Love to see that from him. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, he, he's the only receiver doing that. Yeah. Right. I, it had some catches in there, but there's so many, cause I, I go back and forth between the, the coaching and the execution, right? Like JJ Arthago Whiteside, you catch a ball for the first time. Jeez. Oh, and you decide to get up and celebrate when you have no timeouts and you, your team's trying to get up to spike the ball. So, in, so you, instead of what a disciplined team should do is you pick up the ball and you go set that to get approved by the, uh, the ref, you can snap the ball with maybe a second left, at least get some points on the board. You can spike the ball with a second or two left. And instead you get up and celebrate and then go, Oh, I haven't caught a ball in so long. I forgot what to do with it. And also, and so there's that. And then John Hightower not going out of bounds on that same drive. That is coaching. Yeah, I had. I have a problem with. Yeah, Hightower dropped a couple important parts yesterday or passes yesterday. There was one thing that I liked though is the one real deep down the center of the field that Carson threw. It what he did kind of overthrow him just because I think the connection was la- lacking there. But I did see Hightower dive out for it, and I don't think it was either. Like I just said, like I don't think it was on Carson. I don't think it was on Hightower. I just think they don't have that connection. But I did like to see that from Hightower, that he at least was giving everything, because that's something that we haven't seen. Yeah. So, like, at least with what we are getting, the biggest negative to me is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, because he just doesn't produce. But at least we're getting people that look like they want to play and look like they're going to rally around Carson. Yet again, making Carson just have to make something happen. I agree. But, I agree, but I also think that a big part of it is coaching because I think there's such a lack of discipline that it, I agree. it's unacceptable at this level. You know what I mean? And yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, we watched last year a player not try to lay out for a ball, not even extend his arms fully for a ball, and then blame it on where the ball was thrown to. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
I think John Hightower would be the first person to tell you, oh, I should have caught that ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I should have done more. You know what? I, he's not going to say, oh, Carson overthrew. Like that, that's not, you I just don't do that. That's happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I do think that then there's the other ball that he put in the back of the end zone, right where Hightower could get it. It goes directly through his hands. He tried to catch it on oh. the move instead of trying to stop, jump ball it, and get both feet in bounds. I mean, it tr- not going out of bounds and then not being able to track a football, that's coaching. Yeah. That goes back to coaching. And that's where I have a giant, giant problem. Because if they constantly keep changing wide receiver coaches, but we constantly keep having the same issues, there's a bigger problem somewhere. There's a bigger overarching problem somewhere. Geesh, that's concerning. Because you're exactly right. And then it doesn't get much better when you look at the coaching on the other side of the ball. Freaking exactly. Jim Schwartz. Yesterday. Same thing. Yeah. And yesterday, like Jim Schwartz, man, what are you doing? Putting, like I, there was a whole bunch that he did wrong. But so the one thing that stands out, obviously, to everybody was their game winner that just Open the gates for them. Freaking putting Nate Gary on Chase Claypool in a third and eight must stop situation with what they have like three minutes under three minutes left on the clock. Like must stop, and he just gets absolutely smoked like he should have. And then you listen to the freaking post game of the Steelers, and they're like, "Yeah, they saw Ben saw that matchup right away when Nate Gary lined up on Claypool and hurried it so that he would freaking get him catch him doing it, so they couldn't." Realize what was happening. Did Jim Schwartz think he was going to outsmart Ben Roethlisberger? Like, I don't understand what he thought he was going to do. Like, you're not going to fool that guy. It's almost like an arrogance that I just can't stand. And at the end of the day, like, we can replace cornerback coaches. We can replace linebacker coaches. But the same stuff keeps happening. And part of it is roster construction. But Jim Schwartz also has a huge hand in defensive roster construction. He has a huge hand in moving on from guys like Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas, and LJ Fort, who are blowing it it up, by the way, elsewhere. And Nathan Perry wouldn't be on anybody else's practice squad, but he's our number one linebacker. It's absolutely nuts to think, to look at all those defensive now weapons that they got rid of because they weren't producing here and then seeing what they're doing with other teams. And it's alarming. And I don't understand how Howie, how management, how none of them are looking at this like, wow, like something's really wrong here. The person that should be looking at that is Jeffrey Lurie and thinking, huh, why the hell is this happening? Like, let me think about this a little bit further. And it's just not happening. I just, at this point, I'm just extremely, extremely tired of seeing the same mistakes over and over and over again, not only in one season. No, it's season after, exactly. Yeah. After season, after season, and nothing gets changed. And as much as I, as a Philadelphia fan who I owe my life to Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz and Frank Reich and Nick Foles and Carson. Like, I I owe my life to those people for giving me a Super Bowl. I also, you know, I I would like another one, please. Or it's just at least fun football to watch. Like, at least make it exciting for, you know? Like, that's the one thing I noticed yesterday. I, I tweeted it out. Like, it just seems like in every game, there's always, like, we know our team this season is not good, but in every single game, when one problem area holds their own and actually does 
decent. Like yesterday, the offensive line and then the offense like produced what they should have. Like 29 points, you should win a game. And then it was just the defense blew up and Jim Schwartz blew up. Like it's just always something. It's so frustrating. And then another thing I wrote down as a super negative were the refs freaking sucked yesterday and it was frustrating because they did ultimately hurt the Eagles more but it was on both sides like they just blew yeah I mean that's why I don't really put much stock in that because it was on both like they were just bad yeah. on the board so I'm just I mean that just kind of like whatever and I also never saw a replay of a single penalty because whoever was running the Fox broadcast is absolutely terrible and should there never was- there was one point they didn't even have the clock or the scores anything at the bottom of the screen it was just a blank like football on the screen i was like what is happening what happened there but that was bad but another point with the defense is that you go out and get darius slay because he's the best man-to-man coverage corner in the nfl maybe one or two better but he is one of the top and on a third and short you have him playing 10 yards off that was supposed to change when he came here at least with whoever he was covering that's coaching and discipline and scheme 100 percent ridiculous okay so with that being said yeah what are your top three reasons for the loss so my top three reasons we're going to run through this really quickly defensive roster construction there's absolutely no reason nathan gary should be the number one linebacker (laughs) among many 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 other things Um, but that's jim jim has control of the defensive roster but he's also, I mean, it's both of them. But Howie, he, he, he's not. He gets to make those decisions. So, like, as much as I want to blame Howie, and trust me, <laughs> we blame Howie for a lot of things. But the defensive roster construction, I put less on Howie and because it's, it's, it's who Jim wants to fit into his little, his little game. And his little game is not yeah, working. We'd have to see how they break it down with, like, drafting and everything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just – it's a hot mess. Yeah. Um, my number two is coaching in general, small things like Hightower not going out of bounds. That being his first priority when making the catch is just not acceptable at an NFL level. Like that's football 101. You learn that in high school. Um, you're, you should be doing it at an NFL level. Um, and the wide receivers, what do they work on in practice? They can't track balls. They can't yeah. run minute drills. What can they do? I, I don't quite know. Um, but yes. Defensive roster construction, coaching in general, wide receivers. So mine's basically the same. So first I have Jim Schwartz just because what the heck was he doing yesterday? And then my number two is the lack of linebackers and, well, linebacker talent and then cornerback depth, I want to say. And then penalties is my number three because even though the refs blew, it just killed them overall. Like I was counting it up with my personal notes I was taking during the game, and it was roughly 24 points that led to Steelers, or all the penalties led to like probably 24 points for the Steelers. Awesome. I counted it up, yes. Like penalties that kept drives going and put them in great field position and all that, 24 points they got off of them. FML. Okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about the injuries that came out of yesterday, as well as questions from our listeners. We're going to take a quick break. You are listening to The Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Welcome back into episode number 43 of Babes on Broad. So before we get into questions and everything, there were a few injuries, not as many as normal, but they might hopefully aren't serious because they're big players. Lane Johnson 
he came in and started the game and played a little bit here and there in the first um, half and then just ultimately ended up not coming back because he said his ankle got to a point where it just couldn't push through it and he was carted off. So that's concerning. Yeah, Um, I don't like it all. But it's one of those things that like apparently he's just going to have to deal with. So it's going to be like an in and out kind of thing as long as he chooses to deal with it before he – I would assume inevitably ends up on IR. It's one of those that's things my, where it's going to like push through, push through, push through, and eventually just be like, I'm done. Well, that's my concern is like, if this team really, like you got to evaluate your team. We're not, even if we do win the NFC East, how far are we really going to go? Is it worth risking him potentially long-term? Because yeah. if he keeps pushing an injury like that, you don't know the effects it's going to have on him when he is quote unquote healthy. So that's my concern about it. And then Darius Slay, he came out. He didn't finish the game. Did they say what his injury has been yet? I haven't. I didn't. I have decided to prioritize my mental health and not listen to any <laughs> of the press conferences at this point um, because I just I it's the same, you know, BS answers over yeah. and over again that I just get tired of hearing. Um, so I don't know what his was. It seemed like it was like an ankle or like a knee. It was a lower body yeah. situation. Um, oh, wait. Also- actually, I just looked it up. He's in concussion protocol. Oh, Okay, so, so I missed I that would, play when that would have happened. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It was my step-grandfather's 80th birthday. So we had opera music playing while we were watching <laughs> the Eagles game. So we weren't listening to the Eagles game. Everyone else was like, it brought a really calming factor. And I was like, actually, it's putting me further on edge. So yeah, right? I had no idea what was going on if I wasn't like eyes glued directly to the television. Yeah, I, well, I did watch the game. I have no play or no idea what play that would have happened on, but. Interesting. And then Duke Riley was carted off as well. Yes. It was after he made a phenomenal tackle, and then all of a sudden we saw him on the cart just being taken away. And I was like, mm, well, yep, that's about right for the <laughs> Let's get into some questions. So at Delroy James, are we going to have a quarterback controversy? Why should we? Please, please, please shove your quarterback controversy where the sun don't shine. If after yesterday you think Carson Wentz is the biggest problem, you're the biggest clown in the tri-state area, please, please, please stop. I understand and that's the quite thing. well. Start. But relax. I agree. And that's the thing, too, is like we don't have weapons on the offense and we have Carson trying to get these rookies and these guys that have never played up here before to do something. You think Jalen Hurts, a rookie quarterback that hasn't had any time really on the field right now, is the answer to come in and make these rookies and guys that have never seen the field good? Like, that's not the answer, dude. No. And be the leader that everyone trusts in yeah, right now? No, absolutely not. Do I, I like Jalen Hurts, and I wish he got drafted somewhere else so I could, in, like, see him succeed. But that's just not what's going to happen here. We talked about it yesterday. I wanted him to be utilized in proper ways. He came in for one pass play. It was great. The play was successful. Use that. That's great. He also was a decoy. We were both right yesterday. Yeah. Continue to do that. Make it, well, what the Saints have done with Taysom Hill is they've made him a threat everywhere. They play him on special teams, but also when he comes in, sometimes he lines up out wide and sometimes he's just a decoy, but other times they take Drew Brees off the field altogether and he can pass the ball, he can take the ball himself, or he can hand the ball off. Don't make it be so obvious what you're doing with Jalen Hurts. Get him involved in some other things. It's what we talked about yesterday before the game and uh, it worked. <laughs> We're geniuses. Um, at Big Tibbs 10, is the lack of talent and development based on bad drafting or coaching? So I'm seeing your answer here. You say yours first because mine kind of goes off of yours. 
Um, I think both. I think there are bad draft choices, i.e. Jalen Hurts, Davion Taylor, Nate Gary, Matt Collins, Shelton Gibson. Now, not to say all these players are bad players. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a bad player. I think Davion Taylor could potentially be a good player. But at, they are bad draft choices at the time they were chosen. And they haven't, you know, some of them are not doing well here. Some of them are just out of the league altogether. Some of them are just elsewhere and we're terrible here. Um, but then there's a lack of development and not n properly using these guys, Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas, LJ Ford. LJ Ford wasn't a draft pick, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, I mean, it, it's both. It's a combo of both. And I think that the, the one doesn't help the other. Like if you had better, some better coaching, the bad draft choices wouldn't matter as much. If you made better draft picks, the that the poor coaching wouldn't screw it up as much like it's a combo of the two I agree with you and that's why I wanted you to say it first because I agree with you but I think it's more so on the fact of Howie and the drafting because Howie's going into these drafts you know what you have coaching you know Doug's specialties you know Schwartz if he has specialties you know what they all work with you know what I'm saying yeah. and you go into that draft and you get people that don't even fit their schemes have no place being here so that's why I think it's just so much more on Howie because you need to draft to what you have you pull these guys in for a reason draft to their strengths and he's never done that so I think that is my main problem and then <laughs> and then um Oh, and I also think it's concerning. This is a question for you, Jess. Davian Taylor, you're telling me he's not better than Nate Gary? Honestly, you might be throwing him out there. I think I'm better than Nate Gary. So but that's what I'm saying. So, like, why in there? What are they seeing that's so bad about him? But then we drafted it, drafted him. I like, just so high. They drafted him as a project, and like that's the thing. Like we needed linebackers so badly, and you draft a project in the third round when there were linebackers you could have chosen at 53. Yeah. Instead of taking another quarterback for no See, so reason. Nola is also very upset about this topic, <laughs> if you can hear. That's why it just goes all back to Howie for me. I mean, it's no secret anymore. I'm on it every week. I mean, but it's it's the truth. Um, at Magpet13 asks, what are your thoughts on Jordan Mailata at left tackle? Um, well, even the Eagles coaches said now that it's his job to lose. He's been killing it. So I like what he's doing over there. He's holding his own. I mean, obviously he's going to be a little bit shaky here and there just for the fact that he's new and people are going to target him and know that. But I think he's done really well these first two games, especially yeah. up against the Steelers and then a Sunday night football game to make your start. I think he's done really well. I thought he's played really well. And I hope that they mean that when they say it's his job to lose. Yeah. Because I would prefer it to be his job to lose and then not just hand it back to JP when JP's healthy. I also hope that going into the offseason, it is an open competition between him and Andre Dillard. And it's not just given back to Dillard. I think that if Mylotta continues to do well, that should be, again, his job to lose going forward as well. I agree. At Samo Reed, are they buying or selling at the trade deadline? What do we have to sell? Yeah, Zach Ertz, who, who had one what? catch for six or one catch for six yards yesterday yeah I mean like I and you're gonna sell a Zach Ertz when you don't even have a Dallas Goddard we have nothing to sell what do we have to sell that's such a good point <laughs> right and, and and again I I don't 
I don't want to be like, oh, well, Dak's injury, the NFC East is wide open. Like, I, I hate to do that because I hate, I hate for it to be that way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I don't want that to be the reason it happens. But I just think that it's it sort of, again, what you said earlier, like, they could win the NFC East, but then, like, after that, is it what, what's worth selling at that point? Honestly, your yeah. draft picks because you make terrible ones anyway. So, yeah, literally. I don't care. But about how much are you going to get for them? And at Callie underscore dream asks, aside from divisional games, what are the most favorable, favorable matchups for the Eagles for the rest of the season? Are there any? We have a tough schedule. What do we have? We have the Ravens next week and then non-divisional. We have Green Bay again in Lambeau, which we pulled off a miracle last year. Definitely aren't going to do that again. We have the Cardinals maybe, but we both had that as a loss, I think, in our preseason matchup. We have the Seahawks. No. Yeah, um, the five and O Seahawks who just absolutely yeah. That did you watch that drive put they put together last night? Good God. No, the DK one that everybody was flipping out about. Yeah, Good I did God. not see it. That drive, but. the execution, it was flawless. It was excellent, unbelievable. Um, yeah, Saints are also in there, and then then we've got division after that. Yeah, I don't see any. There aren't any. Yeah. No favorable ones. And the last question, at Cypher Kyle asks, how long do you give before any change is made? And I think that is meant towards coaching. Coaching, probably. Um, I don't think that they would do anything in season at this point unless it really tanks. Mm. But um, I wish they kind of would, just because what do we have to lose, you know? But um, especially right now, they won't do anything soon because that injury with Dak literally – they could be playing for the NFC East now, very possible. So we'll see. Um, I don't think anything's coming soon. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things that, like, I think Doug – I don't think Doug Peter. we talked about this. I don't no, think Doug, not Doug. And I don't think he should, honestly. No. I, I don't – regardless of how frustrated I get with him at this point, there he brought a Super Bowl to Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, he needs to stay here. But I think the offensive coordinator th- by committee thing – is a hundred percent, hundred percent terrible. Um, I think I don't, uh, Jim Schwartz. I, again, I'm not going to sit here and say someone should be fired, but I would get it. Like, <laughs> it would I make would sense. <laughs> um, and in terms of front office, I'm pretty fed up with that one as well. Yeah. That one's that, that one. I, I think that's number one. I think that's a clear, like no matter what happens this year, a very possible outcome for that one, but we'll see. I don't okay. disagree. And now we're done with all the doom and gloom. Um, <laughs> that is the end of our episode for today. Thank you for listening to episode 43. We will be back later in the week to look ahead to the matchup with the Ravens. Thank you as always to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure to follow us on all the socials. If you missed our pregame show yesterday, You might as well go back and watch it. We talked about some fun stuff. We also talked about some really interesting trivia that we will continue (laughs) to figure out and do. And we will actually, we'll start to come up with like prizes or something that. We should. Because Craig killed it yesterday. He did. So we'll have to come up with something going into this weekend. But we'll talk to you later in the week. Thank you again for listening. We are the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Babes on G and